0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory to you, o Lord. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. you, You may be seated. So many of us gathered here in church this past Wednesday to begin our Lenten journey by solemnly marking our foreheads with ashes and confessing our sins, as is the Christian tradition on Ash Wednesday. So here we are today, four days later, on the first Sunday in Lent, and much to our collective surprise and delight, we hear in our first lesson not a message of doom and gloom, requiring more ashes of repentance, but rather a promise of a glorious rainbow. Never again, God tells Noah, will I abandon humanity and creation to the destructive and chaotic forces of the universe. I will, God promises, be a faithful and compassionate protector of all that is living, And as a reminder of this commitment, I will set my bow in the skies. Thus, the first great covenant in the Bible is sealed with the sign of the rainbow. And the rainbow is forevermore linked with God's promise to care for all living creatures. In the blink of an eye, it seems, our Lent has gone from ashes to rainbows. Those of you who were here on Wednesday heard me reflect, maybe longer than you would have liked, on the meaning of ashes as the symbol of Lent. So it's only appropriate today that we consider rainbows and why they are also a part of our Lenten journey. A shimmering arc of color painted in the sky, with red on the outside, violet on the inside, and orange, yellow, green, blue, and indigo in between. Rainbows take our breath away. Few things in nature are more spectacular than the brilliance of a rainbow. But there is more to a rainbow than just color. In part, what captivates is the rainbow's unexpectedness. Rainbows surprise us. They sneak up on us out of nowhere, tease us for just a little while, and just as suddenly, they're gone. Ephemeral and fleeting, rainbows have a profound air of mystery about them. Rainbows are also full of promise. They come on the heels of the chaos and violence of a dark storm, but point us toward the promise of a brighter, sunnier, calmer sky ahead. Rainbows are, in this way, beacons of hope. For all of these reasons and more, rainbows have captured the imaginations of peoples throughout the ages. As the great English poet William Wordsworth once expressed it, My heart leaps up when I behold a rainbow in the sky. So was it when my life began. So is it now I am a man. So be it when I shall grow old or let me die. The splendor of a rainbow elicits in us a childlike wonder at the beauty and majesty of creation. As our heart leaps and our jaw drops at the sight of a rainbow, we feel a deep connectedness to both the world and its creator. It is no wonder, then, that God would choose this mysterious and beautiful symbol to signify this covenant he makes with Noah, to love and care for all of creation after the ravages of the flood. Scientists, of course, I know, they have their explanation for what a rainbow is. They tell us that a rainbow's appearance is caused by the dispersion of sunlight as it is refracted by the spherical shape of raindrops. Since the water of raindrops is dispersive, the amount that the sunlight is bent depends upon the wavelength of the light's constituent parts. Blue light is refracted at a greater angle than red light, but because of the reflection from the back of the raindrop, the red light appears higher in the sky and forms the outer color of the rainbow. In point of fact, the scientists insist, rainbows do not actually exist objectively in the sky, but they're something like mirages. Their reality and features depend upon the observer, and where she or he stands in relation to the sun and the sky and the raindrops. That's why it changes as you move. Now, although I fully embrace this scientific account of the physics of rainbows, such an explanation isn't ultimately very satisfying. Something's missing in it. I may well understand the physics of why the colors of the rainbow appear as they do in the sky, but with this information, I am no closer to knowing why with Wordsworth, my heart leaps when I see a rainbow, or why with Noah, a rainbow in the sky fills me with hopefulness and awe and a mysterious sense of connection to the mystery of the universe. Maybe the answer lies in the basic difference between scientific and religious explanations. Perhaps science and religion offer us two different, but equally important, perspectives on our world. Let me try to illustrate this point with a personal story. Many of you may remember Tim Russert, the host of Meet the Press and the widely respected political commentator for NBC. Russert was admired for his great skill as an interviewer, but even more than that, he was, for many of us, perhaps the last, honest, fair-minded journalist of our time, before, you know, before news became entertainment. Moreover, for those of us who were fortunate enough to know him personally, we loved him for being a selfless, generous, and caring man, a devoted husband, father, and son, a loyal and giving friend, a philanthropist, and a faithful Catholic. As it happens, our younger daughter, Anne, was and is a close friend of Tim's son, Luke, now a journalist himself. Anne and Luke went to school together for 12 years in Washington, D.C. when we lived there, and through their friendship, our family came to know Tim and his family. Now, as you may recall, Tim Russert died quite suddenly and quite unexpectedly while he was working out in the gym, of all places, of a heart attack in the summer of 2008. It was just a week after I had been ordained to the priesthood. He was fully in the prime of his life, and it was a shock to everybody. A church funeral was held at Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Washington, followed by a much larger memorial service at the Kennedy Center, both of which were televised. There were a great many tributes to Tim from journalists, politicians, celebrities from around the nation. There was a surprise performance, quite memorable, by Bruce Springsteen, Tim's favorite singer, and finally, a beautifully moving eulogy from Luke, Tim's son. What was most memorable about the Kennedy Center service, however, was how it ended. After Springsteen finished his stirring rendition of Thunder Road, and as the folks were leaving their seats, a simple postlude was played over the Kennedy Center sound system. It was a song Luke had taken from his dad's iPod. You remember those. One of Tim's favorite tunes the haunting acoustic version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Hawaiian singer and ukulelist Izzy Kamakawali. And then came an unforgettable moment of grace. As all the mourners left the Kennedy Center and spilled out onto its terrace overlooking the Potomac River, listening to this postlude, we were greeted by a double rainbow that reached from one end of Washington to the other, with the magnificent towers of the National Cathedral right in the middle. If you don't believe me, Google it, (laughs) because a lot of photos were taken on that glorious day in the summer of 2008. A coincidence, perhaps. I'm quite sure that our scientists can convincingly explain how the meteorological and physical events came together that day to produce the stunning rainbow. But that explanation, as scientifically sound as I'm sure it is, doesn't fully capture what happened in that moment. The sudden appearance of such a breathtaking rainbow just then was for all of those blessed to be there a glimpse into a much deeper reality than the mere refraction of light through the prism of raindrops. I, for one, have no doubt whatsoever that this rainbow was God's way of keeping his promise, the promise he made to Noah, the promise to another one of his saints as Tim made his way to the next.
1: Out of the ashes of
0: death comes, by God's grace, the spectacular light and color and hope of the rainbow. This is our Lenten story in a nutshell. Yes, as human beings, we are caught in a broken world, plagued by human violence, suffering, disease, want, and death. And yes, it is our own sinfulness that often is at the root of our troubles. And yet, as God promises Noah, the chaos and violence of this world is not the last word. For God assures us time and again in scriptures that there is a future for all of us that is as bright and beautiful as a rainbow a future that indeed was and is revealed to us in the glory of his own beloved son's life, death, and resurrection. When this church, when Holy Trinity, became a reconciling in Christ's community last year, we adopted the symbol of the rainbow, which adorns our gathering area, to communicate to the world that we welcome everyone here, all of God's children, in humanity's multicolored splendor. And that is a wonderful thing. But there is also a deeper theological meaning to this symbol, as today's lesson from Genesis shows us. And that is that we are a community of hope, a people who trust in God's promise to lead us into a better future, a family of disciples who are willing to follow God's Son, at whatever cost, into a more beautiful and abundant way of being human. It's no accident that the colors on our stained glass window over the altar are in the colors